Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. How you doing, mate? I'm doing great, mate. How you doing? I'm good. Doing good. All right. Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, two weddings, three weeks. It takes you out a little bit. Oh man. But we got yeah. there. Yeah. We got there. Yeah. You made it. Did did yeah. make it? I mean, it was a, it was a good trip. Uh, we just recently got back, and uh, uh, I I know I, I'm going to share it in in one of the podcasts. But I got to get a root canal. Yes, following in your footsteps. You're, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to, to share that that story here. Oh, um, you know, this week is the 20 year anniversary of the Twin Towers coming down. Yeah. 9-11 and I remember you you called me recently and said hey we should do a show and talk about this yeah yeah you know and because um, you've been have been um, just finished watching a documentary yeah I, you know there's a couple out there right now um, on Netflix and there was one on on Apple TV uh, one of them you know we didn't I didn't get to talk to you about it but uh, there's one on Netflix called Worth and it's about, um, it's a true story about the guy who had to pretty much decide what the people got that were left behind after 9-11, financially. What were they worth? Wow. And so we, were, we watched it, Michael Keaton is in it, and it's not, a reg, it's not a film, you know, like, oh, that was a good film. This is all based off of true stories, true life. Like what at the end, there is an update on what is still 20 years after still going on. So when I was watching it, uh, my mind went to a couple of things, obviously thinking about the people who were involved with nine 11 and those who, uh, were left behind, obviously, um, and my mind kept going back to a song that Michael W. Smith sang called There She Stands, and it's all about the American flag. And he wrote it as he was watching footage of 9-11 20 years ago. And the, the folks, he was writing, writing it in, in the context of not just the firefighters, the police, the people in the buildings, not just that, but also people who left this country after 9-11 to fight uh, for their country, for freedom. Wow. And this whole thing was there, she stands. And, and so my mind was thinking about this, and I just felt, we need to do something different, this yeah. podcast. Yeah. So I reached out to you, and you started telling me a story. Yeah. About Chris. Yeah, so Chris is our executive pastor at the church I lead, Rock Church. He's former military, and has a great story about being a part of Desert Shield and Desert Storm. But what is really interesting is Chris is from Long Island. Yeah. He's from New York, and he was absolutely, like all New Yorkers, just just shell-shocked. Yeah. On 9-11, and um, it wrecked him. Yeah. And he's going to share that on today's episode. And he went back just... Less than, you know, like two months later, he got on a plane when nobody else wanted to fly, and he, and he flew to Ground Zero. Yeah. He's going to share that story. Yeah. So today is a little bit different. Obviously, coming off the 
20-year uh, anniversary of 9-11. We just felt we needed to uh, do something different, uh, just respect what had happened, not just here. Yes, it happened in America, but it affected the whole world. Mm-hmm. You, you try and get onto a plane now. There are things that you have to do now because of what happened that day. Yes, and um, want you to share this with your military friends. I know a lot of people are upset about what's happened in Afghanistan. And um, Chris, uh, is one of my closest friends, really just a great guy, but he, he prays for our military, and he shares some thoughts about Afghanistan that yeah. I think are, that are super relevant for right now. So yeah. we hope you uh, listen to this entire episode so sit back relax enjoy this conversation with chris this podcast is part of the edify podcast network edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top christian podcasts today download the edify app for free from the app store or google play or by going to edify.app that's E-D-I-F-I dot app. everyone it's time for another conversation on revival town podcast our guest today is one of the best bible teachers i know he's one of my closest friends he is the executive pastor of rock church the church that i lead and i am really looking forward to this conversation with him about 9 11 yeah just 
just this last weekend, 20 years. 20 years. Well, his name is Chris Papasis. Chris, welcome to Revival Town Podcast. Hey, great to be here. Man, it's so cool to, to, to have you on. I mean, uh, we're, we're close friends. We've been doing ministry for a long time. We have some, some great stories. And what a lot of people may not know is that you are from New York. That is correct. So give us, give us the, the, the background. You're from the Bronx? Or you're from no, Long Island? Long Island, I mean. From Long Island. Yeah, come on now. As they say in Long Island, I'm, Long Island, I'm from Long Island. Yeah, for, right? hey, forget <laughs> about it. <laughs> you're in the mafia. But, Sorry. <laughs> it's, been, it's been several decades since I've lived there, so a lot of my accent is gone. But, yes, I'm born and raised on Long Island. We say on Long Island. We don't say in Long Island, too, as well. But, um, yeah, loved it. Grew up on Long Island. Greatest city in the world, New York City. I lived uh, 30 miles from the World Trade Center, my wow. childhood home was. Wow. So, yeah, a lot of memories. Well, you know, this got me thinking just uh, just a few nights ago, there is some incredible new um, documentaries coming out right now. Mm-hmm. One that I watched uh, just last night that really inspired me to reach out to Chuck and say, hey, could we could we do something about 9-11? Um, there's a new one on Apple TV uh, where it's got President Bush, Dick Cheney, uh, Condoleezza Rice, all these different folks that were all a, pa- a part of all of that. Um, and it's them now, but they are going literally minute by minute of the of the day and how they had to respond. And it it just got me thinking, man... It would be great wow. to chat with someone that lived around that area, perhaps the effects that you felt, um, friends that you may know, things like that. And then, and then uh, through that, we'll, we'll share some other stories as well. Uh, but mm. Chris, tell us a bit about um, you and, and just that, that era, right? That time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I always say when I explain it to people, the only thing uh, worse than being in New York on 9-11 was being a New Yorker somewhere else on 9-11 because the only thing you wanted to do was be there to help. And uh, I was in Peoria at the time and it absolutely wrecked me to not be home. I mean, I was, um, I, like I said with you, I, I feel like I grew up in the shadow of the twin towers. They started going up the year before my birth and my childhood home was 30 miles away from the World Trade Center and all my childhood memories. I have memories through every phase of my life that connect to the towers. Wow. Like uh, when I was a child, I would, we, there was an office building right by where we lived and we would play stickball. And a lot of times our balls would get stuck on the roof. So wow. we would climb up a tree, jump on the roof and get our balls off the roof. Right. And, uh, But from on a clear day from that roof, you could see the Twin Towers and the whole New York skyline clear as day. So my whole childhood memory, uh, I I, I see the towers. And then, uh, well, I got to jump in because, you know, we're talking to a true New Yorker when um, when we're talking about stickball. Come on. We're talking about (laughs) stickball here. I mean, my friend Billy, another good friend of mine, Billy, a childhood um, best friend of mine is from 
Long Island as well. And uh, you guys have had some conversations, but man, just stickball. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. So we're, we're That's talking right. stickball, stickball on Revival Town Podcast. And some pizza and some bagels. Come on. Come, oh, come on. Go. New York pizza. It is the best. You <laughs> get a big giant slice. Oh, uh, man. For real. Right. We're having a revival yeah. on Revival Town Podcast. Come on. Awesome. Let's go. I, I, I know for me, my first visit, uh, I think it was about 10 years or so um, after. Well, no, let me back up. Let me back up. Back up, man. We have talked a lot about me going to Boston the first year of being in America and on July 4th being in Boston wearing an England soccer shirt and it didn't really go down too well. On that same trip, though, we went from Boston to New York oh, and right. I went up on the top of the trade tower. Did you, you know, the really? Ob- the observation wow. deck with Dave, Jane and, and a few other friends. Um, and so I've been on the trade tower's observation desk at deck. Yeah. Mm. And... Um, and so when all this happened, um, you know, I, I remember going there. But I think what was so real for me was when I went to Ground Zero a few years after the fountain had been built. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really hit me was the roses. I don't think people know this, but... Um, at the fountain at Ground Zero, and you see it, if you just type in, you'll see this fountain that goes into the ground. And all the names of everyone that that was killed are on that mm. fountain. It, it's, mm. it's a very eerie feel of quiet, even though there's thousands of people around. Very quiet. But then there would be these roses that were, that were on these names. Mm-hmm. And what that was, was it was the birth dates of the people. So if, Chuck, if you Mm. had lost your life and it was your birthday, they put a rose there every year Mm. on that, on that day. That was, Mm. wow. Wow. Well, before Chris shares what it was like to go back right, right after 9-11, I think most people listening that, were alive yeah. <laughs> back then. Um, recall what they were doing when this went down. This is one of the the moments um, in my lifetime that I'll never forget. I can tell you exactly where I was yeah. and what I was doing. My wife and I were at home getting ready to go to Bloomington for an overnight trip. Just the two of us before we had kids. And um, we both sat there most of the day just watching this unfold, watching the TV. We couldn't even leave. And we finally did leave later in the afternoon. But I just never, I just remember being there all day long. Yeah. Um, just our eyes glued to the television, sh- to television, <laughs> <laughs> television, <laughs> sat <laughs> while all that unfolded (laughs) and just uh being just being broken and just and and Mm -hmm. just and shell shock like everyone else in the Mm -hmm. uh, around not just the united states around the globe yeah i was i was work i wasn't working at the dream center then i was uh, an optician at a eyeglass 
place, a doctor's place. Wow. Uh, I was the optical manager. There's a story we need to unpack someday. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) my wife called me and said, you need to put the TV on. And I put it on and the first tower had been hit and literally the second tower was just being hit. Mm. And uh, we were glued to it all day. It was incredible. Chris, tell us a bit about uh, you going back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, again, the the day of was nuts. And Chuck, I don't know if you remember this. I wanted to interject this in there, but I had um, started a new job uh, here in Peoria, you know, in Peoria. And um, because it was new, I couldn't leave. But I was so wrecked and so devastated. I spent a lot of the day just going into the restroom and closing the stall and just sitting there trying to process what was happening. And so that night, I, as soon as I got off work, I went and picked up my daughter and went home and Chuck, you called and asked if I wanted to come pray with you. Cause you were uh, leading prayer at the courthouse in Tazewell County. Oh, um, and you, I don't know if you, you asked me if I wanted to come with you. And I was like, dude, I am so wrecked. I just, I'm going to stay home and, uh, and, and just be here with my daughter and try and process what's happening. So that's right. That's yeah. Right. I forgot about the courthouse thing. So now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of remembering. Did was did did that happen um, the next day? The courthouse thing, or was that the day of? That was the day of. That's right. That was the that's night why, of nine eleven. So that's why we we didn't go to to, to Bloomington until after that happened. Mm-hmm. I forgot. I don't even remember how it happened. But yeah, I got called and asked to, to lead prayer at the courthouse mm-hmm. in Pekin. Wow. For um, for everything that was going on. That's right. Now it's man. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. and Chris, wow. you've been. You know, yeah. you've served this this great country, um, you know, so obviously when something like this, had, had, had you been in the military before this? Correct. Yeah, I was, I was in the Army from 87 to 95, um, was in Operation Desert uh, Shield and Storm, and I got out in 95, and I literally had just talked to a recruiter about a month before about thinking about going back in right before nine 11 happened. Wow. And, uh, it just, God didn't, that wasn't what he had for me. So I never joined back up, but, but yeah. Was that, was that feeling like when you were seeing this, like, man, I gotta go and do something like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But obviously you were, you know, you were obeying God in what God had told you to do and in mm-hmm. staying, but was there a bit of a battle there? There really was. And I think even the bigger battle was to go to New York. I wanted to go to New York and help clean up ground zero. And I was a single dad at the time and I just couldn't, couldn't make it happen. But that really was, I think the bigger ripping was just seeing my home devastated like that. You know, there's just, there's just no way you can, you can internalize, you know, internalize it. It's just crazy. And, um, but you did you didn't make it back in November, correct? Mm-hmm. So t- right. tell us about about that and g- going back mm-hmm. and and I'm obviously I'm sure there were so many mixed emotions. Even getting onto mm-hmm. a plane, nobody wanted to even fly back then. Correct. Yeah, that was the first thing. And um, uh, what a lot of people might not remember was right there in either late October or early November. Um, a plane took off from JFK and immediately after it took off, it had mechanical problems and crashed into Queens. 
right there. Yeah. Yeah. Right after. And so everybody was like, holy cow, we're getting hit again because everybody was shell shocked. We didn't know how bad this was going to be. We, we kept waiting for the next shoe to drop. And um, so, yeah, so there was even more fear about flying after that. But the big mantra at the time was, Hey, if we, we need to go and live our lives and that's how we'll defeat the terrorists. They'll win if they terrorize us enough to stop us from living our lives. And so uh, that's when people just started making the decision, we're going to fly anyway. And so we flew back to, New York. And I had flown in, obviously I was in the army for eight years. So I had flown back into New York many times and it's always kind of the same thing. The plane comes in and the first thing you do, you look in New York Harbor and you find the statue of Liberty, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you see the statue of Liberty and then you could draw a straight line from the statue of Liberty to the Southern tip of Manhattan where the twin towers are. And then you could boom right there. The twin towers just pop into your, your view. And it's an awesome feeling. Well, this time we were flying in and I saw the Statue of Liberty. My mind did the little turn and all of a sudden I just saw two big holes Mm. and smoke still coming up over. This was by Thanksgiving. Smoke was still coming up uh, from ground zero and my mind couldn't comprehend it. It was like it was like in my mind, the towers were supposed to be there, but they weren't there. And it, it, it. there was a disconnect. I couldn't even process it. Well, so this was around Thanksgiving time. Um, the flight that you were referring to just a moment ago was American Airlines Flight 587. And it took place on November 12th, 2001. And all 260 people aboard, um, that's 251 passengers, nine crew members, were all killed. And that was what sent all these, you know, um, tremors after people were still dealing with this, yourself included. And then just, Mm -hmm. just literally within two weeks after that, you're on a plane and now you're flying, um, over ground zero, seeing the whole still, still seeing the smoke. That's just, um, Mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah. Sobering. Yeah, it was. Did you get to go down there or or was it all roped off and, couldn't get near it yeah no i i was um I, one of my missions while i was home was i i was going to go to ground zero no matter what so um one night on during vacation i got up got dressed and uh my uh childhood friend girl by the name of grace ann we we jumped in her suv we drove into manhattan found a place to park which was amazing in itself and uh and we got out and the perimeter to ground zero is huge because you've been there, Andy, yeah. you know how big those it's massive footprints are where the, where it was. And then, so it took out a whole city block. Um, and when they say a city block, it probably would take uh, 30, 45 minutes to do a full ro- uh, rotation around it walking. Um And what really blew me away, the first thing that blew me away, obviously, was to see all the people there. And if you remember, everybody, a lot of people were still had were still holding on to hope that their loved ones survived. So they were out there with pictures of their family members and and and, you know, candles everywhere, flowers everywhere, everybody just in the streets and just a uh, just a spirit of grief. 
And on top of it all, to make it more surreal was the military presence there to see soldiers with machine guns at radio city music hall. You know, it just was, it, it was unbelievable. That was at the time, the biggest thing that, that any of us had been through. And, um, yeah, it was just crazy, but we got to talk to some national guards people and we got to walk the wreckage. There was still, they had been clearing it nonstop and there was still tons and tons and tons of iron smoking iron, just, just going up. Um, but it was a very special night to be able to go there and be there. I actually felt like I got closure to, uh, to stand there, um, before it was fully cleared out and just to see everything. How emotional were you in that moment? Yeah, I was messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And my, 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 uh, my friend as well, you know, um, to, uh, you know, like I said, this has been, it's embedded in our, in a New Yorker psyche. Um, and then to just it not be there, there's just no words. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine. And Mm -hmm. I've never been to New York city. I've been to the state of New York and haven't made it to to the city. And, And one of these days I can't imagine growing up there, living there where seeing the world trade center from a distance is part of an everyday occurrence. And then to have it be gone and Mm -hmm. all, all the stories that have come from it, um, relatives who've lost their lives and for you to be down there with it still smoking and smoldering and, and, and seeing people holding out hope. It, it, it obviously rocked our nation. Unlike anything else in our lifetime. Yeah. Mm hmm. My uh, wife's best friend uh, growing up, uh, she's actually, she was actually, uh, she is English, which was really bizarre. Mm. Going through school, mm. uh, English gal, and um, she moved to New York. And the day of 9-11, she was, she walked, you know, how the Twin Towers were, you could walk through the lobby to different mm-hmm. areas of the city. She walked through there around 7.30 in the morning, 8 o'clock, and it just got up to her building that was like a, just a couple of blocks from the Twin Towers. And she looked out, and all she could see was pieces of paper floating, and the plane had just hit, mm-hmm. the first plane. They told her to clear, you know, clear the building, we don't know what's going on. Just let's let's get moving. She started to move um, towards the Hudson River. She had to get on. She had to get on the ferry to get across. That's where her, her house was. Um, and as she was walking close to the Hudson River, that's when the first building collapsed. And she mm. said it was just crazy you know people running people in ash she she was covered in ash and because of that the technology was down a lot of the te- a lot of people don't know but a lot of the phone mm-hmm. stuff was on top of that building but those right. both those buildings so the technology which was bad anyway right i mean this is not the time of cell phones and even email was fairly new and mm-hmm. communication was limited anyway um she finally got across the Hudson, um, was able to somehow call family. But what would normally take an hour, hour and a half to get home, 
Uh, it took her till late that night to get home mm-hmm. because transportation was stopped. Everything was stopped. And I just remember, you know, hearing this story and, and just trying to visualize being in her office and she looks out and there's those papers and, and different debris just yeah. falling from the sky, mm. you know. Wow. Um, and, you know, some of the, the shows that are on at the moment that are, are you know, showing the story the and things like that. The documentaries, um, you see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're right. You remember where you were when that happened. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I remember seeing the debris and people covered, just covered in the... In mm-hmm. the the suit or whatever it was, just, just, um, yeah, rain, r- pandemonium. Just mm-hmm. the, the whole world was in shock. Yeah. And I think it, the thing that was amazing as well was, um, you know, this, this one that I watched last night, and it was President Bush at the time. And uh, they had, first time ever in American history, they grounded all planes. So they could see if there was any others, you know. And all the way along, Bush was wanting to get back to Washington. In fact, they they talk about how vocal he got. Like, I am the president of the United States. I want to get back to Washington. And the FBI guys, you know, they were saying it was very, very rare that they would raise their voice to the president. But this was the time. Because they knew that there were still a couple of planes out there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know the story of the, the Christian guy, Let's Roll, you know, that went and took down the plane into a field so that it wouldn't take the White House out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's it's one of those... The one hit the Pentagon. Yeah, yeah, one hit the Pentagon. I mean, it was... It, you knew that they'd done damage, obviously, with the Trade Towers, but for that hour or so... Everyone didn't know if there was others mm-hmm. until they grounded all the planes. It wasn't immediate that they grounded the planes, right. and uh, and and you knew that we would never be the same again. Yeah, yeah. Just try and travel now. You know, it's it's completely mm-hmm. different than when I came to you know the U.S. thirty years ago with security and everything else. Um, Chris, mm-hmm. what has it been like for you um, since that day? You've got family and friends there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this time of year, around the 9-11 anniversary, emotions do come up. Mm-hmm. Um, h- how do some of your family and friends um, process that each anniversary? Yeah, there's, well, that's a really good question, Oh. Uh, First off, um, there's everybody in New York knows somebody who died in in the towers. So it is um, heart-wrenching for all of them. I have a good friend from high school um, who who lost some some really close people to her. Um, and it's very, very hard, uh, harder for them, obviously, than for anybody else. But for me, um, I would say it actually took me 10 years to process 9-11. Every single year on the anniversary, I would be wrecked. I would go through the whole thing again, and I never was able to make peace with it. 
um, because it was so big, it overwhelmed my circuits, I guess would be a way to explain it. And I don't know, at the 10 year anniversary, I was finally able um, to, to, to get some real peace about it. And, and um, I guess process it enough where I could put it in its place. Um, But for the next several years after that, I kind of kept it at an arm's distance. I didn't really let myself go there. And so it's really, I was thinking about this. It's really funny that you guys asked me to do this this year, because this year, because it's a 20 year anniversary, I decided to take the whole day Saturday and honor the memory of, of everybody that was lost by going through it again and really doing what you're doing, Andy, watching all the documentaries and just really, really, um, just just honoring and praying for those folks um, who this is the worst time of year for yeah. for them. You know, um, I want to jump in here for a second because obviously the current state of our nation is divided. There's so much angst. There's so much um, just uh, just division right now. Um, the you know the one thing I should I should say another thing that stands out to me about nine eleven is the leadership of President Bush, and mm-hmm. for the first time that I can recall, and maybe only time that I can recall, our country really seemed to be truly united as a result of, of his leadership. Can you tell us? Uh, about that, I mean, did you feel the same way um, when when that took place? Yeah, I thought that President Bush's response was amazing, and um, yeah, I I definitely approved of the way he responded to Afghanistan. Um, and yes, we were so unified until the dividers, of course, came in for political purposes and do what they do, which is divide us. But, um, but it was a beautiful thing to see everybody with the flag out to see everybody pitching in everybody wanting to help, you know, that's what, that's what makes this country great. And that is, is what we really need to get back to is that kind of mentality. Yes. And people like you have literally laid down their lives and risked their lives to preserve the freedom that that we have and you mentioned earlier you fought in desert shield and desert storm um i know that you were shot at and that had a huge impact concerning your faith journey can you share that story yeah yes so when we got over there um you know we were told in our intelligence briefing, Saddam Hussein, if those are not familiar with desert storm, it's when Hussein um, took over Kuwait to get their oil. So he basically annexed Kuwait to make it part of Iraq. And so our initial mission was to stop him from doing the same to Saudi Arabia. That's what desert shield was, but desert storm was to liberate Kuwait from Iraq. So we got over there and our uh, intelligence briefing was that, um, They're the fourth largest army in the world. They're battle hardened from eight years of combat with Iran. And we're expecting to lose 50% of this unit when it goes in to liberate 
Kuwait. We're expecting 50% casualties. We, my unit was designated to be like the tip of the spear. So, I mean, we were like going to be right in the front in the, in the blitz. And um, so as a, I was a uh, term 21 over there. So I was a 21 year old corporal leading soldiers into battle. um, And it rocked me. And so um, I walked out into the desert. This was in Saudi Arabia, maybe on land that Abraham had walked at one point. I don't know, Mm. but I walked out into the desert by myself and I had a conversation with God. I I believed in God, but I was definitely not living for him. And uh, I said, uh, God, (laughs) if you get me out of here, I'll serve you every day of my life. That was my bargain. That's what I was trying to bring to God <laughs> to, yeah. to, to, to get me out of there because I, I had a strong feeling for the first time in my life that I might not survive, right? So um, that was a pivotal moment in my journey with to Christ. And I would say that's my first real step. Uh, a couple of years later in Germany, um, several people, I was asking questions cause I wanted to honor what I said to God. And so I asked questions and God sent me people who faithfully told me the, the gospel. And so in Germany in, uh, 92 in the parking lot of our housing area there, I gave my heart to Christ. Wow. So, but that's wow. where it really all started was desert storm, desert storm. And, um, s- some, life-altering, scary moments there, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, when you join the Army at 17, you think it's going to be all Rambo running around the woods and having fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. They actually really want us to go fight? Yeah. <laughs> Time out. Where they're projecting 50% casualties? Yeah. So, wow. So, so then you, you gave your call. life to Christ, right? And then um, tell us about the story in Dallas, you had kind of walked away from the Lord, if I, if I can recall. I'll let you tell the story, but you ended up in a bar and had an amazing encounter. That, that's hilarious. I'm so funny you're going there. Um, <laughs> it actually was in Peoria. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the bar Hogs and Heifers? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, That's where we got the idea for Revival Town Podcast. I remember Andy and I were there watching a a soccer game. Um, No. (laughs) No. Uh, Hogs and Heifers. I I was in a bar. There's an episode. Hogs and heifers. That's, that's a, a that's that's like a, a band name to somebody from here. The they are welcome. Hogs and heifers. <laughs> <laughs> it was right. It's down like there, banjo grunge. <laughs> no, it was down there on main street. So you probably drove past it. Um, but uh, I was in that bar. I had no business being in the bar. I was uh, still a young Christian. Things were um, going bad in my life. And so I started to backslide. And um, I found myself in a bar on a Saturday night. And uh, this is, you know, how God orchestrates stuff. As I was sitting there drinking, uh, I started talking to this guy next to me. We became fast friends, as happens in a bar. <laughs> and and uh, somehow the topic of God comes up, right? <laughs> and so it turns out he's a believer. So we both know we've got no business being in, in this bar, <laughs> right? Everybody's partying. Everybody's having a good time. We're sitting there talking. All of a sudden, we look up on the screen, and there, 
out of nowhere, Jack Van Impey, <laughs> who is a Bible prophecy teacher. Yeah. Okay. He uses current events to show that we could be living in the time when Jesus is going to return. Right. <laughs> the great so I'm sitting there. Jack Van Impey. Wow. In joking? the bar on the television. That's yeah. crazy. Jack Van Impey. So I looked at my new friend and uh, he looked at me and um, he said, you and I are probably the only two people in this bar who knows who that is. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And I don't want to be here if Jesus comes back right now. So I'm out of here. See you oh, later. Wow. And I, I stopped backsliding and came back to Christ right then. <laughs> wow. That, yeah. 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 You talk about God, you know. Not that I'm promoting going to bars, right? please, please hear me. But, you know, there has been so many things that have happened where people are at bars, they're watching certain movies, they're with certain people that they really shouldn't be, and yet God still shows up. You know, and I think that happened throughout Scripture, right? Yeah. Jesus showed up at different places where really uh, he shouldn't have been, at least that's what the religious leaders felt, but yet he shows up. Yeah. And, and even through this, uh, with you at the bar and Jack Van Empey, and, and I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. How you know, God yeah. really works. You know, what's so interesting, um, Andy, is back in um, the early days of, of Rock Church, um, Chris and I would have coffee every Tuesday morning at this little coffee shop called CJ's, and we would meet at 6 a.m., and have coffee and dream about doing ministry together. And um, this is when our, our church was in its very early years and didn't have the funds to, to have multiple staff. And and we used to talk about the day, someday, having him on our team. And now here he is on this podcast. He's our executive pastor, relocated to, to Nixon, Missouri, because his wife had some medical issues. Yeah. And that's a whole nother story, probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but one thing we learned during COVID was that remote works. So he stayed on in his role as a pastor who serves remotely and does come um, physically um, every every few months. But um, man, Chris, it's been been such a blessing and. You have been a true friend, and you're an incredible leader, a, a very gifted Bible teacher. And um, before we close out, we're going to have you pray for people, and we're going to have make sure that we let people know where they can um, watch you on YouTube. And and um, I, we want to encourage people. You did a, a verse by verse video series through the Book of Revelation, which is. Cool. <laughs> Um, so good. So, in fact, I heard there was some guy sitting in a bar that came on the TV the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but paint, no, seriously. Paint it forward. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just want to say I love you, man. I appreciate you, yeah. uh, man. Just who you are. Thank you for also taking the time to, to be with us today. Same here, man. Thank you so much for just your friendship. And Andy, I was just thinking, um, you know, it's just so cool to be hanging out with really two people that I admire uh, so much. You guys um, both epitomize um, the servant heart of Jesus and care for people. And um, 
you guys inspire me. So not trying to get emotional, but I, I starting to tear up a little bit. No, but, <laughs> but seriously, um, thank you guys friend, for the work that you do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do I have two minutes, uh, maybe one minute to talk to Afghanistan veterans? Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. I just wanted to share something. Um, a lot of Afghanistan veterans right now, as we come to nine eleven, especially um, in the way that we've pulled out of Afghanistan, are feeling uh, pretty discouraged. Um, one of my friends who's a, a vet of Afghanistan, we've been messaging back and forth, and he's uh, shared with me that he feels like it was all a waste of time, that all the work that he did, all the, all the people who died or were injured or are still suffering PTSD effects, um, they're really discouraged right now, that community uh, of vets uh, feeling that it's all a waste. And so um, I just want to say this very strongly, and, it, and it's this, it was not a waste. Mm. I want you to know that, not even close, for at least two reasons. There's a lot of reasons, but number one, I want you to, to, to take this and tuck it in uh, because of the efforts of the American fighting men and women right now, there is a whole generation of Afghanis who don't know anything but freedom. Yeah. Mm, yeah that's good. That had never had freedom before. And I just want to say when the seed of freedom is planted in the heart of a people, it's a powerful force. And, and I might be being overly optimistic now, but I believe that when, um, freedom gets put into the heart of a people that that's going to lead to a movement sometime in the future. So I'm not totally giving up on Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. I think that we might see something in the future. So number one, there's people free because of what you guys did. And they have that in their hearts now and nobody can take that from them. And then the second time, and this might pertain even more to a veteran who's also a follower of Christ, but um, at the time of our withdrawal, most people don't know this, but at the time of our withdrawal from Afghanistan, the church in Afghanistan was the second fastest growing church in the world. Wow. And what that means is that because of the efforts of our military personnel, thousands and thousands of people are going to be in heaven. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's Amen. Good. Great Man. thought, Chris. Wow. Well, can you close us out in prayer? And let's pray specifically for our military, for those who mm-hmm. are military and listening, and mm-hmm. anyone right now who's who's struggling, um, maybe not just with 911, but they're struggling with PTSD from something mm-hmm. else that happened in their life and they can't get past it. Yeah. I'd love to. Father, first of all, thank you again for um, just this podcast and for Andy and Chuck and their faithfulness and uh, faithful servants of, of yours, God. I, I pray that you'll take their work and their effort, God, and multiply it and just pour out on them exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask or hope for. Uh, we know behind the scenes all the fiery trials that they go through. And, um, God, we just ask you to lift up their arms and encourage them if, if they're dealing with any discouragement themselves, God. And uh, now, God, we just lift up our our military community. God, we thank you, God, for every person serving, anybody who's ever served, uh, uh, who's who's laid down their life um, for the good of our country. God, we just ask you to put a hedge of protection, a wall of fire around each one of them and their families. God, we ask you to encourage them if they're discouraged. God, if they're dealing with PTSD, God, I pray, God, for 
uh, healing and deliverance, God, that you would just do a mighty work in our military, God, and especially for the Afghanistan veterans. I pray, God, that they would be able to lift up uh, their head and be encouraged, God, to know that um, their struggle was not in vain and their work was not in vain, that you are using it um, to to bring about your plans and your purposes. And uh, we do pray right now for anybody listening today who's struggling, God, with anxiety or PTSD or any kind of trauma, God. We just pray even uh, for our country uh, as we go into 9-11, God. Uh, this 20th anniversary finds our country um, in, a, in a hard spot. And, but, God, uh, that's the time when you work the greatest. So we ask for revival, God. Um, just move in our country, move over our people. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we normally, Chris, do a thing called the big three. And we are going to do it. Right, yeah. Chuck? Yeah. All right. right. So gonna, yeah. this is where so, we're going to fire three questions at you. Chuck, have you got one to start with? Yeah. All right. Are no. you ready, Chris? Who I don't is, know, but let's go. <laughs> you know, we talked a lot about Bible teachers. Who is your personal favorite bible teacher oh that's a great great question there's so many i love um i love uh chuck missler david jeremiah um j vernon mcgee all the classics charles spurgeon yeah but i I don't think i have a favorite i don't think i could put it down as well those are some some great ones right there so i did Mm notice he didn't say chuck (laughs) tate yeah 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 well i'm not yeah. I wasn't done. I wasn't uh, done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't consider myself a Bible teacher. Yeah. But hey, Chris, you know, you're fired. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. no, seriously. Who's your, your uh, a list of some of your favorite pastors in the Peoria area? Yeah. Let's just narrow it down, maybe. And, no, uh, yeah. no, no, you got a, you got a question, Chris? I mean, um, Chris? you got a question for us, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got one. Andy, oh, you ready? What do yeah. you love about Chuck Tate? Oh, oh my brother. goodness. Come oh, on. Thousands of things. Um, <laughs> now you're not fired. Hey, if, someone's if, getting if a I, raise. Come on. <laughs> if I could say just one thing uh, to that encapsulates everything. <laughs> that, that's a joke between Chuck and I. Uh, is He is the real deal. Yeah. What um, you see is what you get. And when you hear him talking about loving people and loving others, Chuck has taught me how to love unconditionally while in ministry. And he does it better than anybody I know. So that's good. Thank you, um, Chris. Yeah. I'd agree. With honor. That. That's, good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. that's good. I don't know how I'm going to get through this last question. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. Chuck. Come on. Uh, all right. Best place to get a New York style pizza Ooh. in the Peoria area. Oh, or maybe the there's not. Area? Maybe. Never, for, well, you know what? No, forget Peoria. Best yeah, favorite pizza, period. Where's it at? <laughs> Your favorite pizza. New York, wherever. Long Island makes the best pizza because there is something distinct about the water and uh, the sauce. Okay? Mm-hmm. okay. But there was a place when I grew up, and I don't even know if it's still there. I need to reach out to my people from West Hempstead. But it was a place called Piero's Pizzeria on Hempstead Turnpike in Long Island. Best place for pizza. That's Best good. place. Oh, man. Forget about it. Yeah. Forget about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, hey, Chris, how can people connect with you? 
Uh, well, I'm on YouTube. Just look up Chris Papazis. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, and um, I tweet every now and then, but not that much. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Chris, thank you so much uh, for being on, uh, sharing some of your stories, and uh, we we really do appreciate you and your service to this country, and uh, and yeah. your service to Rock Church as well, yeah. and what you do, even from a distance. You you are a huge blessing. I know to Chuck, he talks a lot about you in a good way. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> thank you for qualifying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but again, thank you so much for being uh-huh. on Revival Town Podcast as well today. Same here. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Love you, man. Love you, guys. Well, that was that was that was heavy. You know, it, it was. But you know what I appreciate uh, about Chris was at the end when he started talking about Afghanistan yeah. and bringing hope yeah. in the midst of a bit of darkness uh, yeah. for those who have been out in Afghanistan and Middle East and, and everything that's gone on and feel like, what were we doing? Yeah. Uh, he, he still brought some hope. He, he really did. Chris is a hope dealer. So, Chris, thank you so much for, for coming on. Man. I just love that guy. And I'm so glad that he was willing to come on and, and share his stories with us. Yeah. So, and we had a little fun with them too at the end. We did. We did. And, and Chris is a great guy. And, uh, you know, if you're ever at Rock Church and he's here, sometimes he is here. Obviously, he's remote, but sometimes yep. he's here. Make sure you give him a big hug and thank him for his service to the country. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what's well, next, mate? Well, we're going to talk about a different country at the moment, right? The country that you're from. Which, you know, we're always with the Americans uh, yeah, when yeah, there's yeah. Uh, conflict and things like that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're on the right we're side. On the right side. And, um, hey, I'm glad that way back in the day, I learned this from the crown, the queen flew to America to learn some strategies when it comes to racing horses. <laughs> there we go. I'm glad we, we Brits know about the horse thing from the USA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well... Um, right, Porchy. <laughs> if you watch the crowd, you know what he's talking about. All right. We but, you know, um, we uh, do this segment every week called Tate and His Mate. And uh, this is where I throw a word or a phrase from England or from the British Isles to Chuck to see if he can guess what we're talking about. And I'm kind of on a roll. I've got to say, I've, you know what? I've been getting them right. So are you going to be able to stop me today? Um, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Okay, right, I'll, you I'll, I'll try not to be a plonker. <laughs> <laughs> wow! See, everyone, if you, you got to go back. I do, one, one do know first. diddly squat. I know diddly squat. Well. <laughs> 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 You know what? We'll see how many people listen to this. Yeah, episode. at the end. All yeah. right, we're gonna, let's move forward. Okay, so um, <laughs> so here's, here's, here's one. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, I, 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 I bought this vehicle and it had a great boot. You bought what? And got what? A great vehicle oh. and it has a great boot. So you got a new vehicle and it has a great boot. Okay, I'm driving an old vehicle and, vehicle and it feels like an old boot. <laughs> but your uh, car still has a boot. My, okay. Uh, huh. My car has... Okay, you have a new vehicle. It's got a, a, a boot. 
I was going to say, um, does my car have a boot? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it's not a sunroof. Um, I'm going to go with um, sound system. No, man. Oh, I missed one. I got it this week. Okay. You want to try so, again? So, yeah, yeah. You know, we, rec- we record these. Um, we pre-record these episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I... Um, I kind of gave one away for the one of our future episodes. That's okay. All right, all right. So, um, what boot? I have no idea what what, what it's it means. The there. trunk, the trunk. Yeah, Th- that's called the boot. Yeah, so I didn't know that. So you can put your cases in the boot. Put put your cases in the boot. I can, <laughs> I can put my all of my um, digestive crackers, biscuits in the boot. <laughs> fill up the fill up the boot with. Div- but with the biscuits. Now, remember a few months back, I talked about the the hood being the bonnet, right? Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, the bonnet. Yeah, yeah. So we got the bonnet and, and the boot. And the bonnet and the boot. The BB. <laughs> All right, got to get got a bonnet. Get the boot. Come on, come oh, on. Wow, that's good. Wow, well, that's that's great. Well, um, Chuck, it is awesome doing this with you. I've had a blast yet again. Even Likewise. though you gave away Tate and his mate. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> what a blonker. <laughs> well, you're just bonkers. Yeah, I know. That's what Annette keeps saying. Uh, so, thank you for listening. Yeah. We really thank do appreciate guys. it. 79 countries, people are listening to this. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, please keep telling people about it. Um, go on our social media, Revival Town Podcast. Uh, and uh, share it, let people know about it, and then doing a review. Yep. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, even if you're not on Apple Podcast, or even if you don't listen via Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, open your podcast app, search for Revival Town Podcast. Just give us a five star rating, and that will greatly. I mean, it doesn't have to be five stars. If you think it's just four, just give us four. You know? yeah. if, you think Nothing. The, if you give it three, quit listening. You know what I'm saying? Just, <laughs> I mean, just you know, whatever. No. <laughs> Oh, it's so good to uh, do this with you, mate, and uh, we've got a good one next week. Oh, man. Make sure, so good. Make sure you are listening next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you, mate. We yep, will, thank you. And we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,